0: Thank you so much for listening, so let's get started with this week's latest program to help you and your family take control of your health. Welcome everyone, it's Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health, and today we are joined by CJ Hopkins, who is an American playwright, a novelist, and a columnist, and currently living in Berlin. So welcome, and thank you for joining us today, CJ.
1: It's a pleasure to be here, thanks for having me.
0: So, uh, let's talk about your description of phase one and phase two execution of a plan to establish the new normal. Uh, something that I frequently address and others do as the great reset.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, you know, what uh, I, I described, I, I think I described the first you know, year or so of it as phase one, uh, which I think was kind of the shock and awe phase. Um, And uh, it's pretty classic, you know, it's uh, the the hysteria was rolled out, Um, you know, uh, right at the beginning of it. You know, we had the fake pictures of uh, people dropping dead in the streets of China and, uh, you know, they were advertising a 3.4% death rate, you know, hundreds of millions of people were going to die. You know, in states of emergency were declared. And, you know, I covered all of this with citations in my early columns. You know, basically a police state was rolled out and, you know, everyone was locked down. And, you know, here in Europe, you know, the police were arresting people for, you know, being outside without permission. You know, neighbors started reporting, you know, their neighbors for, you know, going outdoors, you know, without a mask or, you know, beyond curfew. Um, and uh, I, I think that was pretty much the whole first uh, year of this was really shock and awe. And it feels like now we're moving into phase two um, with the rollout of the you know, social segregation system and vaccine passes and, and what have you. Uh, in a lot of ways, I, I feel like phase two is, is going to be more insidious than phase one was. What are your projections for phase two? Uh, I don't know. I'm hesitant to make, you know, really strong projections. Uh, I, I've been pretty engaged in, in trying to whip up resistance to it, uh, you know, more than, than analyzing it. Um, my fear is that uh, you know, some version of this uh, you know, social segregation system is going to be implemented. Um, despite the pushback against it, um, uh, and that that just really concerns me. Um, I, I don't know if if they will be able to implement it fully. Seems like there is uh, some significant resistance in the U.S. Uh, you know, whole states, Florida and Texas, and uh, other states. I, I don't know which ones exactly. You know, Mississippi, Alabama, um, states are are kind of rebelling against this, uh, which is encouraging to me. Um, here in uh, Europe, it's, uh, you know, it's just a little different.
0: Uh, I mean, you know, we German, have 11 states that have uh, man, that have banned the uh, vaccine passports. And then that's wonderful. I didn't know it
1: was that many. And to me, that's, that's really encouraging. And, you know, the beauty of the size of the United States, you know, um, you know, here in Germany, I mean, people forget. I mean, what is Germany about the size of Texas or something, you know? Um, uh, it's a lot easier, you know, to create the kind of ideological uniformity and impose these uh, systems. So that remains to be seen.
0: So how are you structuring your resistance to this uh, plan that they have to take over uh, the world, essentially, global tyranny?
1: Yeah, well, a couple of ways, you know. The main way is, uh, you know, just through my, you know, my columns, my Consent Factory columns, my essays, um, and uh, you know, uh, through the Consent Factory on on social media, and just you know, trying to uh, uh, you know whip up as much resistance and create as much awareness um, as I can, and urge people to spread that and and do the same. Um, you know, that's that's what I do. That's my medium is words, and just on a personal level, I. I, I think it's I just think it's really important not to cooperate with the system. Um, for example, in Germany, they're 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 rolling out the segregation system here now so that if I want to go to a restaurant or a cafe or you know a non you know essential store or attend the theater, um, you know, I need to present either a uh, you know proof of vaccination. Or uh, a negative test within, you know, 24 hours or something before I want to enter, you know, the, these establishments. Um, I think it's really important, you know, those of us who are pushing back against this, uh, not to play along. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 I'm going to try to go to the restaurants. So I'm going to try to enter the stores, and and I want to make the people. Uh, who have been made responsible for the system? I want to make them eject me, and I want to, you know, politely but loudly, you know, make it clear: okay, you're you're ejecting me from your establishment because I'm not conforming uh, to this insane ideological program that's being rolled out. And hopefully, hopefully, if a lot of people do this, um, enough social friction can be created. And, and build resistance to it. Do they still have the mask restrictions in Germany? They do. We never, um, we, we never really had the outdoor uh, mask, uh, mask restrictions here. Our mask restrictions were always uh, in stores or on public transportation or, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the, there was never an outdoor mask mandate except for uh, example at uh, crowded marketplaces. There's a a famous outdoor market uh, right here near where I live, uh, which I used to enjoy going to very much. And now there are mask police set up uh, to make everyone wear masks when they go to the market. So it hasn't been as bad as some places in the States, uh, uh, but the mask restrictions are absolutely still in place where they are in place.
0: So they haven't changed because in the United States, uh, the CDC changed their policy. Interestingly, I I perceive it as a Another strategy that they have to to encourage, coerce—might be a better uh, term—people to get the vaccine because the mask restriction was only listed for those who had the vaccine. Exactly. (laughs) And
1: and and this is you know this is what I meant by you know I I think phase two is 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 going to be more insidious than phase one because that's exactly right. We're getting this carrot and stick stuff. Um, You know, uh, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, you know, came out and tweeted, you know. Get vaccinated or wear a mask. That's it. These are the choices. Um, so, yeah, I think that that is absolutely what's happening. I, I don't know. My 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 sense is the mask uh, uh, regulations will probably be the last thing to go here in Germany. Uh, clearly, I, the you know the mask thing. It, it's the masks. I think were the primary uh, means of. You know generating the appearance of you know an apocalyptic plague that is you know threatening the very fabric of society when people take off their masks uh you know the 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 illusion will just kind of evaporate,
0: yeah, fortunately, it's starting to happen in the u s because uh you know I haven't been out and about too much but and and this change in the c d c policy is only a week old, so uh the, the, I don't perceive that there's going to be a massive enforcement of checking people who aren't wearing a mask to see if they've had their vaccine, proof of vaccine uh, immunity, not immunity, but uh, uh, vaccination, I guess. So uh, that's interesting. So you're, it, I would perceive that Germany might be a bit more uh, rigidly adherent to enforcing censoring of uh, narratives that disagree with the uh, mainstream, how has it been there from your perspective with the censoring and deplatforming?
1: Suffocating um, is is really how it's been. Um, it's it, it's been one of the most impressive and frightening you know, experiences that I can remember. Um, you know, very quickly the German media and government and you know culture industry uh, just started marching in lockstep. With this, way back in the spring of uh, 2020, um, are you familiar with the term, uh, the German term "Gleichschaltung"? I sure I'm not. No. So enlighten it It's a word. It's a word uh, that, uh, as far as I know, you know comes from uh, the Nazi regime. Um, and you know, "gleich" means the same. "Schaltung" means you know to switch. What it what it means is 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 basically synchronizing you know, all aspects of, uh, culture and messaging and ideology in the society to make everything absolutely uniform and to eliminate all dissent. Um, and of course, this is what the Nazis did. And I, 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 this is exactly what I have witnessed, uh, here. It happened almost instantly, uh, in the spring of 2020. And it has been, uh, Absolutely suffocating. Anyone, anyone protesting, or questioning, or challenging the official narrative, uh, has been demonized as you know, by a far-right conspiracy theorist, anti-Semitic extremist. Um, it's it's been really
0: intense. So, for for you personally, has that uh, resulted in a loss of some of your platforms? Is, that, is your and is your primary platform Substack now?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess I. Um, it's my blog is really my my primary platform, um, and I uh, I uh, started a Substack a few months ago, I guess, just to kind of hedge my bets. I haven't been deplatformed. Um, I, you know, as far as I know, my you know my Patreon is still up. Um, my blog is definitely still up. Uh, I've been, you know, censored and 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 subject to all sorts of shenanigans on Facebook. Um, uh, ironically, uh, I mean, I, I, Twitter has done some of it, uh, but it, I'm always amused when I get the little notices from Twitter that that someone has reported me to the uh, authorities uh, for you know, you know, some sort of uh, you know breach of acceptable content and. Twitter has checked it out and, and the German government has checked it out. And, and oh, no, they have to allow me to, to continue. Uh, so, no, I haven't, lost, I haven't lost any of my platforms. Um, Facebook uh, has, I think, been the most aggressive in terms of censorship and,
0: and shenanigans. Are you taking a, a staunch position on the vaccinations at all?
1: Uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, I, I think I am. I'm you know I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. And I and, and I, I, I tend to shy away from. Uh, well, you don't have to be to figure this one out. <laughs> yeah, um, the thing the the thing that I've been saying most often. Uh, you know, I, we're just talking about the social segregation system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where you have to show proof of vaccination or you know or a negative test. And the point that I've uh, tried to make uh, a few times is, I don't think it's really, I don't, I don't think it really matters you know, so much what's in the vaccine or what the test shows. Uh, you know, I mean, we can talk about that; it's, it's, uh, 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 it's a real subject. But I think the point is to coerce people and condition people uh, to behave in this authoritarian fashion. You know, to condition people to. Uh, Become accustomed to having to produce these, you know, health documents before they sit down to have a cup of coffee somewhere, you know, or go to a movie. Um, I think the conditioning and, uh, and, and 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 the obedience rituals are really the point more than the vaccine um, vaccines themselves. You know, that said, yes, I have been uh you know following as more and more reports of adverse effects come in people dying um and i've been watching that information get massively censored um as well so you know yeah it it, it makes me really uneasy
0: so i'm wondering uh i suspect you're a good great thinker on the, in this area and if you can share with us your reflections on your belief as to why this has uh, evolved into what it is now in this really draconian or surreal reality. It, I mean, you wake up and it's just got to be a nightmare. There's just no way this is real.
1: Yeah. Um, this. Yeah. It gets. Uh, this. This gets a little complicated. I'll try to you know keep it as simple as I possibly can. Um, I don't think it's, and it'll sound a little simplistic, and, I, and it's not as simplistic as, as it's probably going to sound. Um, you know, I started writing my political satire and commentary back in 2016, um, and I did that because I got interested in the Donald Trump phenomenon. I'm not a fan of Donald Trump personally, but um, I, something, something new was happening, and it, and it caught my attention. And what I covered all during the Trump years. Uh, what i think i covered all during the trump years but basically was this you know this unauthorized president got elected and in, in and it felt to me like okay this is part of this broader you know populist pushback against uh, whatever you want to call it global capitalist ideology is what i call it what we've been living with for the last 30 years since the fall of the soviet union um you know it, that ideology has been on the march for 30 years and you know there was some pushback in the middle east and is you know known as the war on terror you know and and, and global capitalism dealt with that um and then suddenly around 2016 there was brexit and trump and various you know reactionary populist movements rising up in europe and you know i was it, it interested me okay here's some some resistance against uh, you know the new ideology um and what i th- what I watched, what I described in my columns and in in my books was the system, you know, the, 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 the the entire global system. And this is where it gets too simplistic to talk about it because, you know, it's not a bunch of, you know, capitalists sitting in a room scheming and plotting all this out. It's the system reacting to this internal, to this insurgency, to this, this sort of populist rebellion inside of it. Um, And, you know, what they did is, you know, very clear. They made an example of Trump, they demonized him, they made an example of him. They demonized everybody who put him in office and who didn't vote for Clinton, Um, you know, really polarized society so that, you know, you were either a a good Democrat or you were a white supremacist, racist, neo-Nazi monster. Um, And they did this for four years solid. And of course it all culminated in 2020 when they removed Trump from office. Um, and then, you know, had the big spectacle of you know restoring normality. And I can't help but see the rollout of the new normal and this whole narrative and this introduction of what I see as a, as a more totalitarian version of global capitalist society. I can't help but see this in that same context. You know, um, a a point that I always make about this is, you know, the lockdowns were the big thing in the beginning, right, and for most of the last year. Where does the concept of lockdown come from? You know, well, it comes from prisons. You know, that's where the concept comes from. And when do you lock the prisoners down? You lock them down when they're rebelling, when they're rioting. And you do it to remind them, you know, hey, you're in prison. And we can lock you down and impose any type of measures on you that we want anytime we want until you start towing the line and get your minds right. And I, I cannot help but see what we've been through you know, during these last 12, 14 months as part of that lesson uh, that the, the ruling establishment, the system itself is, uh, is teaching us.
0: It's a really interesting perspective. So um, <clears throat> what's your belief in the, in the best strategy? I measured as multiple, multiple prongs to it to fight this perception of perception, but this implementation of these measures. I mean, it's it certainly, I would think spreading the word and the message and, and uh, for, uh, collaborating with friends and neighbors and loved ones to share the truth because if they're listening to the mainstream media, they're not getting this. And to me, that's one of the most frightening perspectives of this vaccination. It's, it's, it, it's an absolute 100% illegal violation of the Nuremberg Code because the only way you can give informed consent to anything is to have both sides of the story. And they're only presenting one side, anything, anything that opposes their narrative is censored immediately. Uh, and even the people who do it are they're, they're deplatforming the social media platform. So, so what do you think the best uh, perspective uh, strategy is short term and long term? Because this is a long term game. They've they've been doing this for decades, and you know they're not. This is not a something they're looking for next month or next year. They've got a long term game plan. I, I,
1: I think I think you're absolutely right in what you described, and this is and this is why I brought up that term You know, this synchronization. It's you know it's it's very clear uh, you know to me to you to those of us who have been paying attention um, the uh, just the intensity the intensity of the effort to silence uh, discussion to silence dissent uh, to silence questioning you know to present this uniform ideological it's an official ideological narrative. Um, an official ideology that's being rolled out, and there's no room in it for questioning, um, you know, for argument, for discussion. It's if you question it, you are absolutely demonized. It makes it really difficult um, to communicate. I mean, I, you know, I'm i I'm a satirist, so I think I I, I kind of slip through the lines because maybe the censors don't know whether they should. You know, whether yeah. I'm serious or not. confusing. Yeah. yeah. You, know, um, uh, you know, it's more difficult, I think, for people who are just trying to present facts and information um, uh, because they're getting completely shut out. I think we have to continue to try to do it no matter what. I think it's important, you know, to repeatedly point out, you know, to repeatedly present the facts, to repeatedly, you know, point out, you know, that. What happened at the beginning of this? All of the false, all of the propaganda, all of the false information that we were presented with, where it came from, the models, you know, the way that the PCR tests were used to, you know, to generate this, the appearance of, you know, uh, know, the the whole case-demic thing, to use the word, you know. Suddenly, perfectly healthy people became medical cases, you know, which was... As far as I understand it, a complete departure from. Yeah, let's know, focus on
0: that. It, that's a good point. So I want you to expand on it because what they did as the deaths started decreasing radically, they they switched the narrative from deaths to case damage, which that's is a point that has that escaped many people's attention. So it's an important one. And why don't you expand on it, please?
1: It's, um, and I think you probably know the details of this better than I do, um, but that's exactly what happened as, you know, as the, the as, as it, it felt like when 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 the initial crisis when they when they couldn't hype the death trucks and the you know the field hospitals and the ships and the actual data started coming in of you know of how many people were dying um, and other facts started coming in you know and so I, I I demystified the whole you know death truck propaganda myself when this started to collapse. Um, this is when they really started pushing the case count. Um, and the thing it's, it's, you know, it's so frustrating because you can't get this through to people who are true believers, you know, but th- the idea, the idea that someone who has been tested, you know, with a, first of all, a test that was never meant to, you know, be diagnostic of, of, of illness in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's just meant to be an, an aid in a doctor's toolkit, but, you know, it, it the fact that you could turn this test up to, you know, whatever, 40 cycles or whatever it is. 45, 50. 45, <laughs> 50 cycles. And then suddenly, suddenly people who were perfectly healthy, perfectly healthy, no symptoms of illness whatsoever. Suddenly these people became medical cases, right? Medical cases. And then we can accumulate the the numbers of, you know, of, of these medical cases and cases were exploding. And then, and and you know this as well, the next step, of course, is, you know, to use that to inflate the deaths, you know, then people who were dying in hospitals, well, they don't have to be dying of this illness anymore. If we tested them, and the PCR test, you know, showed that they had been infected or what have you, well, then, you know, they're a COVID death, you know, and then those statistics were exploded. We, they, they they basically
0: redefined,
1: you know, uh, traditional established well, the, the, scientific the, and medical knowledge. In that, order is to the, that is a
0: key point, a very key point. The next one is because the, the people who define the terms control the narrative and, and they, they define the, 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 the type of illness it was and they also define what it was. So they dial it up and they dial it back. And as soon as Biden was inaugurated in mid, or mid to late January, they dialed it back because the vaccine program was going on. And then they dialed it back again to show that the vaccine's working because the cases are dropping because they changed the definition.
1: That's right. That's right. It's uh, it, what you're referring to. Yeah. And the, the CDC had just rolled out, uh, you know, yeah, they just advised everyone, whoa, whoa, turn these tests down for vaccinated people because we started the vaccine program exactly well the the as far as i understand it it's even more insidious the, the 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 advice was if someone has been vaccinated turn that test down to 28 but if they haven't been vaccinated you know go ahead 40 50 whatever <laughs> <laughs> you know um in in any event it's what we're the reason it is i i think so so difficult to resist. And, and that was your question originally is mm-hmm. how to do it. Right. It's, is this simulation has been created through all of these means that you're just talking about. And the people who, who believe in this simulation. Um, I mean, I've likened them to cult members. There's really no, there's no shaking their belief in this. I think it's important nonetheless to keep confronting them and presenting these facts to everybody um, in terms of communication. And then the other thing is on a personal level, just as I was saying before, I think it's just crucial that those of us who are not true believers in this new ideology, that we continue to try to live according to reality and refuse to, you know, as much as possible, Repitulate. yes, and but refuse to to, to reify it, refuse to, to behave according to these rules that are being imposed. I mean, it's fundamentally the idea, the idea that, that anything about you know, this virus in the last year, the idea that, that, that any of this requires a radical restructuring of society where I have to present my medical papers to get a cup of coffee is insane. It is just it's literally insane. And it's important that those of us who continue to, to have a grip on reality, it's important that we treat it as insane and and not treat it as normal or legitimate at all.
0: Thank you for uh, that perspective. I appreciate it. Um, I want to get back to the point that you live in Germany, <laughs> which is interesting because there's so many Historical precedents or narrative or, or reflections that what's occurring now reminds us of basically pre World War II Germany. And you referenced it earlier as to what's happening in the culture. And, and I'm convinced that ultimately this vaccine program, which in the US has already vaccinated more than 100 million people, and is probably going to go to a significant percentage of a billion, if not exceed a billion, worldwide. Uh, they could easily, easily exceed the number of people who were killed in Nazi Germany. So I'm wondering if you can maybe add something to the reflection of what has happened, what is happening now, and compare it to what occurred prior to became beyond obvious what what the Nazi Nazis were doing in Germany and people were fleeing. So I I think that the reason why it's so important from my perspective is that. History provides us many dramatic teaching uh, possibilities. And if we can learn from this, then maybe we can avoid some of the tragedies that occurred.
1: Yeah, it's uh, uh, apparently we haven't learned enough from the last time. Um, There's a a book uh, that I've referred to in a few of my essays and that I really recommend. Um, To everyone, and especially to true believers, if they have, you know, if any of them are watching, and and they had still have just a little bit of an open mind, I really recommend uh, there's there's an excerpt from the book that you can just read online, you don't have to buy the book um, by uh, Milton Mayer. Mm. Um, And the book is called They Thought They Were Free. Mm. Um, And it's he, you know, he was here in Germany in the 30s, as you know, the Nazis came to power as nazism was rolled out in germany as you know this ideological synchronization was rolled out and what he describes you know what he describes mirrors almost exactly what we've been experiencing yes the context is completely different it's not you know a political ideology that's being rolled out but just the introduction of this narrative, of this official narrative, of this official ideology, and the coercion and the you know the, the implementation of the, of the police measures and and you know the abrogation of the constitution you know which has happened here in Germany um, and people's reactions to it and non-reactions to it um, and and just how it was all implemented step by step by step, the old, you know, how to boil a frog thing. And if 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 you read that, and this is, you know, a guy who was here and went through it, if you read that and compare it to what we've been through for the last year, it's just horrifying.
0: Well, we'll have to put a link to that in, the, in our article for sure. Um, it, it's, it appears to me, I mean, that this was almost 100 years ago, you know, well over 90 years ago. That, that, that uh, occurrence happened. And it seems that because, I mean, technology expands exponentially, most aspects of technology do. And as a result of that, we have new skill sets. And in the last two decades, specifically with the internet and ability to uh, communicate through social media platforms and uh, internet browsers, uh, phones, mobile phones. Google has really taken a primary role in this whole process, at least my belief that it has. And there's a number of uh, experienced uh, sociologists and psychologists who've looked at it really carefully too and come to similar conclusions. But they've been capturing this data, our private data, essentially without our consent, even though we have to agree to these terms of, um, Terms of service it's, it's TOS that are literally 20, 30 pages and I have to click before we're allowed to use their application. And no one reads them. So it's essentially it's, it's uninformed, but they've been capturing this data for decades. And with this data, they've, they've very sophisticated computer programs and uh, high level hardware that is able to analyze this and capture information that they can use to carefully craft the narrative and to construct precisely what needs to be done to make their interventions even exponentially more effective than they were in Nazi Germany. Because, I mean, they're, they're using similar strategies, but they've got much better tools to implement them, and it makes it ju- exponentially more effective, which I, is, I believe is, is a, a large reason why they've been so successful. I mean, it is surprising they've been able to get away with this. and It seems to me that they've been able to convince the majority of the people from my perspective. And I'm wondering, so I wonder if you can comment on my first perspective on Google's contribution to this. And then secondly, how many people have, have, uh, have bought into this? Percentage ones.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I, I think the majority, I think that, you know, those of us who are, you know, skeptics or critics, and, you know, uh, uh, opponents, Uh, I, we are definitely a minority. I think we're a sizable minority, but I I do think it's the vast majority of people um, that have signed on to it. At least that's my experience. Um, I'll tell you a funny thing about Google. Um, They, uh, I wrote, I wrote an essay, you know, years ago, I think it was 2017 uh, about a little trick uh, that they were uh, pulling uh, on me. And it just so happens that, that they're doing it again. Um, And, and I think it's an example of, Exactly what you were talking about, which is just the subtlety and the increased power, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of of the, yeah, the ideological operators. Um, you know, it's it's not if you look back at totalitarianism in the, in the 20th century, in the 30s, you know, it all looks you know pretty dated and over the top. And, you know, you, you think, God, how did anyone fall from this? Um, it, it's all so much subtle. Um, generating one of my pieces, I think, you know, I've referred to this numerous times. It's, it's not about whipping up everybody, uh, you know, to to follow it, you know, an ideology that is announced as an ideology. Um, The ideology that we're talking about is, is reality, you know, or normality. You know, when, when you go on, when you go on Google and you look for something, You know, most people, you know, don't realize that you know you're watching, you're you're looking at an incredibly tailored version (laughs) of reality. You're being directed to certain places. You're being, you know, directed away from other certain places. Um, To get to just the example that I was talking about, if you Google me. Right mm-hmm. and and anyone can do this. You know, if you Google me right now, you'll see the little you know information box that they have on the side with my picture. And, and if you, you go, use,
0: if you use Google, right?
1: Yeah, if you use Google, yeah, and I mean Google me, yeah, with Google. Um, and it's only with Google. Um, you'll see the pictures of me, and it'll tell you who I am from you know, Wikipedia, which is a whole other story that we can talk about. And then down below, you know, you'll see my books. There's a row of my books where you can click on those and buy them. And then there's a feature down on the bottom, which they call people also search for.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Right. And now I'm a creature of the left and I have been all my life. You know, I'm I'm an author and playwright and what have you and and a creature of the left. But if you look down at those people, people also search for that Google is presenting to you. These are all hard right people. Some of them are anti-Semites and so on. And it's you know this is this is just an example of how it works if you go looking for cj hopkins you see oh there's cj hopkins there's his books but oh gosh you know who are these unsavory people that he's somehow associated with at the bottom <laughs> you know and this you know and this just appeared i don't know a couple of weeks ago so you know either okay you know maybe suddenly a whole you know millions of you know, hard right extremist type people suddenly became interested in me and started and started Googling me along with whoever else they were Googling, or Google just threw it up there to kind of, you know, half take me.
0: Yeah, that's uh, interesting. The, uh, well, this is clearly not a partisan issue. And it's uh, the term conspiracy theorist, I believe, was actually spun up. By the US military and the CIA, largely as a result of the uh, feedback or the uh, resistance to the narrative that they were promoting from from John F. Kennedy's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and at that time, it's interesting, this, this is where I mentioned it, because all the conspiracy theorists were left wing. Mm-hmm. All of them, 100%. They're all liberal communists. That, 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 those, these were the conspiracy theorists. So now, Half a century later, it's completely converted to the right wing, who are the conspiracy theorists. And, 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 and those who, who were left, who held a left position like yourself and Naomi Wolf, they're now spun into that camp, even though that's, that was not their initial position. It's any, so, you know, they're, they're recategorizing people based, based on a way that fits their long-term goals and manipulating behavior through these types of associations.
1: In, in a sense, you know, in a sense, it almost doesn't, I mean, it does matter, but in a sense, it almost doesn't matter which terms, you know, they throw at us. This is something that, you know, I've been writing, for, writing about long before COVID. Um, you know, when, when you're creating ideological uniformity, um, what you need to do is just demonize all dissent, and you can use whatever ugly terms are available that you think are going to work. You know whether someone's a racist or it's far right or is an extremist or an anti semite or a conspiracy theorist or a COVID denier, which is one of my favorites, or an
0: anti vaxer. <laughs> an anti vaxer, exactly. You know, um, you know, which was all... redefined by the definitions I referred to. They redefined anti vaxer as anyone who disagrees with COVID immunizations merriam Webster, new definition. I think it was even more than that.
1: Um, I, 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 from what I saw, the the revision of the definition was, you know, someone who is uh, you know opposes vaccines, or opposes uh, the government's power to mandate vaccines. <laughs> That is worse. <laughs> Seriously, that's what that's what I saw. You know, uh, it's it and it, it's how insane is that? Anyway, these terms. It's insane you know, because
0: it violates the Nuremberg Code. Total violation. Course.
1: Yeah, of course. Um. Uh. You know. Yeah, you're talking about the. You know, the 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 state taking full control of your body. Right. Is basically what it is. Um. You know. Uh, what I was saying is these terms. It almost doesn't matter what they are because what they what they mean is you know demon what they mean is you know pariah mm-hmm. um there it, it's everyone you know any type of descent descent yeah uh, you know we're all getting lumped into a bucket you know <laughs> uh descent coming from the left descent coming from the right Dissent coming from you know uh scientific quarters mental you know, medical quarters Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's if you're not conforming to the official narrative, to the official ideology, you go in the bucket and you're some sort of extremist.
0: Yes, indeed. So, uh, you know, we've got I think my view is that the solution to this ultimately involves communicating the truth to the vast majority of the people. Uh, the people in control of those distribution networks of information have really captured them. And as a result, they have been able to influ- influence, as we both believe, the majority of the people. So I think the only re- uh, possible solution is to develop alternative distribution networks that eventually become understood as censorship resistance and where any opposing views, and pretty much any views are not suppressed or censored. So that is not possible in today's format. So what's going to be required is an, is an alternative to the internet, essentially a decentralized internet. And By that I mean, right currently all our uh, networks are centralized, that is there is a certain set of servers somewhere in the world that can be turned on or turned off, uh, but it's a relatively, there it, is a central location. So a decentralized co- component would be distributed over thousands, tens of thousands, even millions or hundreds of millions of different servers or even mobile phones. So there's some cha- technical challenges with that and that capacity is just starting to emerge. And I, I believe that is the ultimate uh, resistance strategy is to develop this platform. And right now we're in the process of doing that with a number of groups, uh, some of which I'm, I'm not even aware of. So. But, but I think that's the long-term strategy, but that's gonna be potentially five or 10 years down the road. That's not gonna be next year, hundred um, percent. So I guess we have a 10 year window where we're going to have to be doing guerrilla ch- tactics to counter these. And uh, maybe you could just summarize you, cause you've been thinking that you're a deep thinker and you've been thinking, uh, considering the possibilities for, for a number of years and I'm wondering, what your top 3 recommendations would be to for for guerrilla tactics to essentially keep up the resistance against this tyrannical intrusion of our personal freedoms and liberties
1: mm. um i think uh i think number 1 uh you know number 1 is to continue you know while it's very exciting what you were talking about um you know it's a, a, a network that mm-hmm. is uh, you know, immune, yeah, immune to being shut off and you know and censored. That's very exciting. Until we get there, I think uh, it's just crucial to continue to use whatever means. I mean, you know, people are are you know trying to avoid Facebook censors by playing with the fonts and the pictures and what have you. Um, uh, it's it's another thing that people can study. You know, during you know in totalitarian societies. People adapted. Everyone knew, you know, everyone mm-hmm. knew that the official sources were just pumping out propaganda. And so you learned how to speak, you know, between the lines and read between the lines. And, you know, that might become even more necessary. Frankly, I feel like I've been doing that all my life, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but it might become more and more uh, necessary finding ways to not say directly, what you're saying, um, you know, but rather point to it so that it can lead other people to where you're going. So communications, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, and 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 using whatever means are still available to you know get the facts, get reality out there. Secondly, uh, and, and I think just as important, it it back to my point about how we live our everyday lives. You know, it's it's it, it, go back to that restaurant where I have to show my you know vaccine pass or my test to sit down and get a cup of coffee. Um, you know, I have choices. I could choose to stay home. Right. And not go to that restaurant because I know that I, you know, I don't have a test and I don't have a vaccine. Um, I could choose to get a counterfeit vaccine pass.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Neither one of those to me are the right choices because mm-hmm. the choice is to go and demand demand that people treat me according to reality and and not treat me according to the rules of their new ideology and create that friction, create that moment.
0: That's an interesting perspective. How would one practically implement that suggestion? Because I mean it seems to me to be counterproductive to make that argument against a server in a large restaurant who has no authority or no ability to change the rules. It would, I mean you have to go up the chain to the owner.
1: I don't and I I don't think it is. Um and I'll and I'll give you my logic. Okay. Um uh I'll walk you through it. So I sit down at the table, mm-hmm. right? And the server comes over to me and I don't think the server is a monster. I know the position mm-hmm. and right. it's a terrible position to be in. But nonetheless, totalitarian systems depend on foot soldiers on the servers mm-hmm. to carry, to carry out their edicts. So I sit down at the table and the server comes up to me and says, okay, can I see your pass or your test? And I say, I don't have either of those because that's an insane thing to ask me, which is also against the Nuremberg principles and, you know, and it's, and it's, yeah. I don't believe in this insane ideology, I'm not sick, and I would like a cup of coffee, right? And then that confrontation ensues. Again, not, I don't want to attack the server. Mm-hmm. I just want to insist that I don't need to obey these rules in order to get a cup of coffee. Ultimately, this will lead to my being ejected from this restaurant, mm-hmm. Right. I want all of this to happen in such a way that other people will hear it and see it and turn and watch Ah, it.
0: Ah, okay.
1: And I want to make that, I'm sorry for that server. I wish I didn't have to do it. I have no hostility to that server, but I want to make that server uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. what he or she is doing. I want to make the other people who are sitting in the restaurant uncomfortable, watching me be ejected, watching me be segregated, because I don't conform to this ideology. Maybe they all go home and sleep soundly. Maybe two of them are haunted by that moment. Maybe they see another moment like that in another cafe the next day, or at the cinema that night when they go out. The more moments they see of people standing up and saying, this is insane and it is wrong, and I'm not going to cooperate with it, I maybe I just have crazy faith, but I just feel like all these little moments of friction, yeah, you know, they they can build, and they can and they can create the resistance that we need. Yeah, that's number two, and I don't really know what number three is.
0: Okay, well, those that those are two good ones. It's, uh, I guess another term that you can use is conscientious conscientious objection. Uh, and if you do that, if large numbers of people do that, then that can waken up many people who are in the trenches that are assigned to enforce these ridiculous uh, restrictions, and uh, they, that can and and they may agree with them too. So I I, I think that is a powerful strategy, and I, I, it's not one that I considered because it, in the short term it looks like it fails, but if more and more people do it. It can lead to a long-term success,
1: and maybe I've got number three for you um, okay.
0: because these
1: little moments. First of all, I first of all I think that these little moments that I just described. You know, I I see it as self-preservation. You know, mm-hmm. I see it as as preserving my emotional health. You know, the 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 moment that I begin to you know reify this insane official narrative and 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 behave as if. We need to radically restructure society. The moment I begin to behave that way, you know, I, I begin to you know betray you know my perception of reality, you know, and I I, I it, it's like being indoctrinated into a cult, you know. Um, but to get back to number three, you know, if these little moments of friction can build, you know, one one thing that I suggested a long time ago is uh, you know nonviolent civil disobedience. You know, if you can imagine a bunch of people who are not on board with the official narrative, you know, going in and sitting down at a lunch counter. Mm -hmm. Remember lunch counters, right, from the civil rights movement going, you know, 20 people, 30 people going down and sitting down and demanding to be served. You know, and again, just like the civil rights movement, nonviolent, you know, non-confrontational, but simply insisting on our rights in the same way that you know, African-Americans sat down and said, "I, we are people, mm-hmm. we are human beings just like you and your segregation system is insane and raw. That's what they did by sitting down in those, at those lunch counters and they forced the insane system to carry out its insanity and they filmed it and <laughs> they broadcast it. And eventually it took years, years, but eventually enough people who still had a conscience, you know, started thinking this is just wrong.
0: I like that, that, that really gives a practical strategy that uh, appears to be short-term loss because you're gonna be arrested or put in prison because you're breaking the government rules and the laws that they've enforced under these emergency authorization acts that essentially are hundred percent illegal, but nevertheless, that's the law of the land. But it's a good strategy, and, and just like we're failing to learn from the lessons of Nazi Germany, we can choose to learn from the lessons of the civil rights movement. So, conscientious objection and uh, to the tyrannical laws that have been enforced, and then the application of nonviolent civil, civil disobedience.
1: Good. The civil, the civil rights activists were put in jail also. You know, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, you know, I don't know if, I, I don't think we're quite at the point where, you know, that kind of organizing is taking place, but I think, you know, is ready to take place. But I, I think if this segregation system is pushed through this VAX Pass system, whatever, I think if it is pushed through, uh, we will get to a place where, you know, organizing that type of resistance becomes possible and becomes necessary.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a really good recommendation because even though, as we both agree, the majority of the people have bought the narrative hook, line, and sinker, uh, I still think that, that there's a significant percentage of that current majority who can be convinced that they, they have been manipulated and brainwashed and propagandized. So um, that is isn't a very interesting strategy, and I would encourage everyone listening to consider that and spread the message because it could, it could work.
1: You know, it's it's one thing when you're just having an argument, you know, on the Internet about what the reality is, what the COVID reality is. And it's another thing when you have to watch the police drag your neighbors and maybe members of your family out of establishments because they're not conforming. You know, I, I think I think that creating that type of friction. uh, I, it, it is effective. Um, yeah. What we're talking about, you know, just to, to, you know, I I might be beating it to death, but what we're talking about, we're talking about a clash of realities. You Mm -hmm. know, there are there are those of us who are still living in the reality that we were living in prior to March 2020. Mm -hmm. And then there is this majority of people who are living according to the rules of a new reality you know where all of the medical definitions have been changed and everything you know and and now we need to radically you know reorganize society because of a virus and this is reality for them but the same thing was true back in the 50s and the 60s during the civil rights movement for the people in the south racial segregation and discrimination this was their reality this was their reality and what the civil rights activists did is confronted them with a different reality, Mm -hmm. right? Refused to obey the rules of their reality, right? And that's what it comes down to. I think the parallels uh, uh, can be really useful.
0: And for many, that may seem uncomfortable and they'd be reluctant to do it, but I would encourage people to remember uh, when they took um, their civics course in high school or even grade school, that they learned that our forefathers who who founded this country and specifically the people who signed the declaration of independence everyone who signed that document was a dead man if they lost mm-hmm. they sacrificed their lives for our freedom that is consistently being eroded so it seems a small price to pay for at least Maintaining what little what what's left of the freedom that we currently enjoy.
1: Absolutely, I, I think you know it just sometimes sometimes you know nobody it's just we were saying I don't want to I, I don't want to you know make that server in that restaurant uncomfortable. I have no desire to do that. Um, you know I, I have no desire to attack. You know anybody. I've been using you know I've been using some pretty confrontational tactics in my communications. And I don't enjoy that. I don't enjoy you know you know calling people totalitarians and likening them to good Germans in the 30s, you know. But sometimes the stakes are so high, you know, that that the the personal consequences that we suffer, you know, they don't matter. They're not as important, you know. And I, and I feel like the stakes are that high this time.
0: Well, I agree. So. I appreciate your thoughts on this and sharing some pretty powerful foundational, simple steps that each and every one of us can take that collectively could add up to some really big steps, really big steps and and push us back towards regaining some of the freedoms that they've taken away. So that's that's really going to be, I think, an integral part of the process of developing the resistance. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. And in and what you've done over the years and continue to do. So if people want to find out more and keep up to date in what you're writing, what's the best way to do that?
1: Um, Well, the consentfactory.org is my blog. Or... You could just, I, I almost, I almost said you could Google me.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that, that won't work. I'm sure they, they sent, they buried you, right? You don't come Wish,
1: up. <laughs> no, you can, they could, they could Google or, or duck, duck, go search me or whatever, use whatever other search engine. If you just search uh, you know, my stuff comes right up. I've got my own website at cjopkins.com and the consent is my shtick that I do. Um, I'm easy to find. All of my columns are online. My Substack uh, is up now. I always forget that. You know, I've got a Substack as well. I'm easy to find. Uh, read my columns and see what you think. And argue with me. I love arguing. Uh, Perfect. And if and they I'm want,
0: on... if they want to support your work, you've got a Patreon account too.
1: Exactly. I've got a Patreon and the Substack also has a thing where people can support. All of my stuff is free to read. Um, but for people who can afford it, yeah, those means are there on Substack or on
0: on Patreon. Well, good. Well, thank you for everything you're doing. Uh, Any final closing words before we go?
1: Uh, No, I just thank you as well for all you're doing, and thanks for having me on.
0: Okay. All right. Well, some really great tips, and uh, it's upwards and onwards, and we've got to be leading the resistance.